she's a doctor. Hi, I'm Dr. Dovek, and she's a dietitian. Hey, I'm Hannah Schuyler, and together we are the, the Doctor Dietitian Collab. And today we are bringing, honestly, one of my favorite patients of all time. His stories is one of the most remarkable stories ever. I operated on him in Maryland. Welcome everyone to Jason Anderson to the podcast. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh my goodness. Well, we have a lot to really unpack here. You have quite the story and we were chatting beforehand to all of our listeners about, you know, how personal do you want to get? Like this can be, um, you want to get vulnerable, raw, emotional. And he said he's going to tell all, um, and he has quite the story. So really just uh, giddy up here. And we also really wanted to do this today because there are only, did you know, Jason, only 10 to 15% of all of those who undergo bariatric surgery are men. And we would love your your perspective on why is that? You know, it, it's interesting. Um, so my, I was obese for most of my life and graduated high school, 400 pounds. And the first, the first time I lost significant amounts of weight was all uh, in a 12-step recovery program, and it was the same statistics. Hmm, So in that, it was a food addiction-specific recovery program, and maybe 5% men in the whole program. And and I used to think, like, it's not for any shortage of candidates. It's just that, I guess, men, you know, this is just my, my opinion. I think that most of the men that I know are less inclined to be vulnerable or to be able to say, Hey, I don't, I don't know what's best. And I need somebody else to tell me what, what's best, you know, and a lot of, I think a lot of men struggle with that. That's just my, my personal opinion. Yeah. I think that it's like that, that vulnerability of needing, you know, yes, saying, what do I need? But like getting care for themselves, you know, you hear about men that just don't go to the doctor and they find out really late that they have like late stage cancers and things like that. And it's just, there's just, a, I think, a wall that's built, and it's a societal thing. I mean, it's it's just kind of how things are done, and and so yeah, it's important to start to break through those societal pressures and barriers because definitely there's no reason to. Yeah, we want to break down some stereotypes. I'm sure that this podcast, I undoubtedly will save a life, whether that be man or woman. I think your story is that powerful. So I want to start. In the beginning, you just said that you graduated high school at 400 pounds. Yeah. And just, you know, how was that growing up? Um, were you in Maryland? Like, tell me a little bit, just like, what's your background? What's your story on how, how you kind of started there? Yeah, so I'd, I had a military family. So I actually, I grew up in Spain. And oh. my father moved back when I was in elementary school uh, to Maryland. So that he remarried. Um, I think for me, food became like a... Uh, a coping mechanism, you know, for as a, as a child, you know, and, um, so a lot of the, you know, my, my home life was kind of unpredictable, you know, and I used food as a coping mechanism, you know, because there was alcoholism in the family. There was a lot of, you know, their addiction and food just became like this readily available source of unlimited, uh, anxiety reducing, medication, you know, and I just got in that habit of, of self-medicating probably in seventh grade when my, when my dad divorced, you know, well, they divorced all. So I, I just remember getting into this habit of eating at night, you know, and not being restricted, not really having the guidance from my parents of saying, Hey, here's, here's how you eat in a healthy way. 
And what happened is it, it was this cycle of shame in the morning when your parents find out like, oh, who ate all this stuff, you know, and, and then they would, you know, kind of bring that news to you in a shameful way instead of talking you through it. So it was always this like, I need to do this in secret. You know, I can't let them find out. I have to hide it when possible. And th those things really developed, I think, in um, middle school, high school, to the point where it just got normalized for me. Um, genetically, I just have it bad on both sides of the family. There, there are really obese people on my father's side. It was, he had a huge family. And I think, I want to say at least uh, three or four of my aunts and uncles were well over 400 pounds, um, you know, and lived past the age of 50 or 60, but still very heavy. And my mother too struggled and has been obese most of her life. Um, so I, I think, you know, it was tough. I was very introverted, you know, at, at, as a high school kid, the one thing that really kept me going was music, you know, because that was a way for me to, like, I, I wasn't an active person. You know, I, I tried to play one year of sports and I just, it was so, you know, grueling for me that I just, like I said, I can't do that anymore. And, you know, oh, <laughs> uh, so music is kind of where I excelled and I, you know, that was one way that people could see, you know, I, I was, I was a, a quiet kid, um, but food was really just my number one coping mechanism. And by the end of high school, it had become like, you know, I just, I couldn't stop. And I was in that cycle of, you know, sneaking food and all these things that I, I would later find out it's, that's what food addicts do. You know, that's, that's, yeah. you know, I'm not alone. Oh, yeah. That, and that's hard to say. That's what food addicts do, you know, to come to that terms yeah. that like, I have an addiction to this and this is a problem and that's that's hard to say and I think to come to terms with. So after you finish high school now you're you know I know that your your family is going through these personal issues the divorce and how yep. that breaking this family up and how tough that is. And then ultimately you get out of the house and then and then where do you go and how does and how does your health take a turn at that point? So interestingly enough so that I graduated high school in 1995 and that was right when Fenfen was a thing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So my my father at the time, he said, you know, there's this doctor down at Mercy in, in Baltimore, and yeah. he's got this medication that patients are seeing, you know, good results from. And I said, are, are you kidding? A medication that'll help me lose weight? Like, this is perfect, you know? So I went and tried, and I will never forget, like, they they didn't have a scale that could weigh me. So I had to go to the, uh, the laundry room of Mercy wow. Hospital, you know, to step on the laundry scale. Oh, my God. Um, so that was like, you know, that I can remember like the embarrassment there and having to like, you know, have the staff help and everything. Um, but I started taking the, the combo, uh, Fentermine and Fenfluramine, and I, I lost weight. I lost over 100 pounds. And I really felt like for the first time I was I was active. You know, I went off to college. I went to uh, Berkeley College of Music in Boston. Um, I had friends up there that, you know, we played racquetball, I ran, you know, I, I was very active. And I think the, the medication really helped, you know, as long as I had made sure that I wasn't just trying to eat whatever, you know, and, and also monitoring that and staying hydrated and all the other important stuff, you know. Um, I, I want to say it was like my second year there or late into the first year that I went to refill my, my script up there. And I, I was totally unplugged from the outside world, you know, that no, no cell phones then. No, uh, the internet wasn't right. as ubiquitous, you know. So, um, I was pretty much just studying and practicing all the time, trying to keep up with, 
you know, the crazy competition there. Um, and I went to refill my script and they looked at me funny and they said, oh, I can't, I can't refill this. And it was when they had taken it off the market and they had the whole, you know, the, the lawsuit. I think fentermine is still out there if I'm understanding. Sure, it's yeah. fenfluramine was the other one. That's that, the bad fen. Yeah. Yes. So I, luckily enough, I never saw any, you know, adverse effects from either of the two. Um, I lost the weight, but as soon as, as soon as I went off of that, I just felt like lost. Like I didn't have any medical guidance. I didn't really have the, the guidance of a dietitian saying, hey, you know, I was poor, which also, you know, doesn't help, you yeah. know, so I was like dirt poor. Um, so that, that's kind of what brought me into my twenties, you know? Ooh. So that, yeah, the right just gets pulled out from under you. You have right. this treatment. It's finally working. Yeah. Like, like you said, like it's a magic pill for you and yes. oh goodness. And so when that happens, was it a fast regain of your weight? Was there like a spiral from you emotionally or was it just something you accepted and you kind of kept it off? So I, me personally, I had a very emotional and psychological reaction to just cold turkey, like coming off of it and not, not knowing that it was happening. Uh, and then I was scared that I wouldn't be able to regulate, you know, and, and having access to the cafeteria the whole time, you know, uh, when, when you're a college student, it's like you, the food's just there and you have to self-regulate, you know, it's the, the portion is as much as you want to eat, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's historically where I've done the worst is I just portion control. I just, I, did, I felt like I had no off button. Um, I didn't, it wasn't a quick regain. And I remember I, I lived in Boston for about two years after school. And then I moved to Georgia. Um, and that's when I started to really notice that I was, I was gaining again. I wasn't riding my bike around the city. You know, I, I wasn't as active, you know, um, and of course, Southern, Southern cooking. I mean, yeah, that's where my mind went immediately. Like, gosh, Joe, Georgia, not the best place to move oh, to gosh. not regain weight. <laughs> So, so now you're in Georgia and, um, so what are you doing for your career? What, what's going on with you personally? Where are you at with this? So it, it's interesting. Like, I know we said we were going to do deep dive here, but so I moved to Georgia because I, I had never met my biological mother. Uh, she left when I was very young, you know, totally different circumstances. So I met her when I was 21 and I felt like I needed to take some time in my life. I had an uncle who lived in a very you know, small town in Georgia. He knew I was struggling. He said, Hey, come, come live with me, get on your feet. You can get reacquainted with that side of the family. Cause I had her side of the family. Like my grandmother at the time was living in South Georgia. So I said, that sounds great. You know, I really felt like at the time, my early twenties, like I really was ready to, to meet my mother and to kind of understand that's that half of me. And, and that's what I did, you know, as far as my career went, I was just working, you know, whatever job could give me health insurance and pay me the most per hour at that time in my life. You know? <laughs> yeah, just surviving, just surviving, surviving and going through this now, this new, gosh, the twists and turns of these major life events yeah. and moving and all. Oh. So, okay. So then how do you end up going from Georgia and then meeting, when, how do you meet your wife and how does that all happen? It's great, great story. So from, you know, from Georgia, I gained, I gained weight. Um, you know, I moved back up to Maryland and just had to get back on my feet. I had a, a car accident. I wasn't back up to 400 pounds, but I, I totaled my car down there um, and just had no, no means to just get a new car or anything. And it was time to come back home um, and just relax. Right. I'd, 
So I got into my, my current career when I came back up, you know, in, in healthcare finance and medical billing and, and all. Um, I really started to gain weight when I had that nine to five sitting in front of a computer all day, you know, and my, I still played music and I, I got very active playing with, with bands in, in the, you know, Virginia, Delaware, Maryland area. Um, so that was my release. But at the same time, that also kind of exposed me to alcohol, which I never really identified with. I, I, I never really called myself an alcoholic because food was my number one drug and alcohol. For me, I drank enough to where those superficial boundaries or the inhibitions would be lowered and then I would eat. So it was like the gateway to eating for me, you know. Yeah. Um, so I I gained and gained probably the the most I had um, up until 2005. And in 2005, I, I became aware of Overeaters Anonymous and Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, a couple of different programs out there. Um, and it was the first time that I started thinking of my eating as uh, like disordered in, in some way. Like I, I couldn't stop, you know, and something about that word resonated with me. And I know that's not universal for everybody who's, you know, obese per se. Uh, but for me, it definitely resonated the word addict. And I went to my first meeting um, and I, I knew that I related to everybody, you know, there and what they were saying was my story, you know, and they were talking about, you know, throwing food away, but wrapping it up in such a way that you can come back and, and grab it out of the trash when everybody's gone and sneaking food in the office and sneaking food at, at parties and obsessing about food. And I was just like, this is this is my whole life. You know, this is what I've been doing my entire life. Um, so I I got in and their their whole premise was very similar to like what we do. I mean, no flour, no sugar and weighed and measured meals. So like the, the portions were controlled. And I started eating, you know, healthier than I had ever eaten in my life. And I lost uh, 200 pounds at that point. I went from 400 to 200 and was, you know, healthier than I'd ever been, was going to the gym five times a week. Uh, and it was during that time I said, you know, I, I didn't feel like I've ever been spontaneous. And I've never had that experience of like just being out there and having fun. And I said, I'm going to leave this program now. And that's when I, I met my wife. You know, she was she had just come out of law school and she was uh, bartending and I used to play music in a lot of the bars in Ellicott City. And that's where we met. So, Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> that is sweet. OK, so you guys meet and obviously we know she is now your wife. But how was that relationship? Because now you're you're kind of at the peak of your health and your physical shape and um, yep. love and life. And, and sounds like things are going great. And um, does it stay that way? So I think I'm not, I'm not alone. And, you know, sometimes people getting comfortable with uh, relationships I've learned and just like getting into a place where like, Oh, I, this person accepts me. And, you know, I, I don't need to uh, keep this crazy schedule or, you know, keep weighing my meals. And I, I just, I felt the pull to be more spontaneous, even though I was very open with her from the start that I'm, I identify as, the, as a food addict and I told her about the meetings and I told her about how the, important the program had been. She was completely supportive no matter what I wanted to do. Um, but I think for me, I convinced myself that I, I couldn't live with that much rigidity. Like it's, it's a, it was tough. Like, I, I know I, I did it for a very long time, but just like measuring every single meal got to a point where, it, you know, at that time in my life, it just seemed like too much. 
Yeah. yeah. No, it is. And that's the thing. I think a lot of these rules, like at some point, like we're not meant to be caged and you right. just feel um, like I got to break out of this and yeah. I got to fix this. Yeah. yeah. I always tell people like we talk about like goal weights and, and their weight, you know, things like that. And I'm like, if it's too much work to stay at that particular weight, it's not really a realistic one. Like it shouldn't yeah. be that hard to maintain it. And if it is, you know, and you talked, you mentioned kind of feeling like, yes, I had like disordered eating. And when you have that history of disordered eating, and then you move into this new other kind of disordered eating pattern of being so restrictive, you know, you kind of go one extreme to the other. And it's finding more of, I think, but balance for somebody who has an addiction is not always, you know, not always possible. So it's, it's really finding that, that right formula for you, which yeah. Obviously, we'll get there eventually. Spoiler, it's bariatric surgery. But... <laughs> so, I gained. So, you gained. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's what, and I started gaining slowly. I'll never, I maintained for about a year. And then um, I'll never forget like that first day that I went to put the jeans on and I was like, these don't fit anymore. You know? <laughs> and, and I just, everybody at work and everybody in your life, like they see, this tremendous weight loss. And it was like devastating to, to, you know, everybody's complimenting you on the way down, but nobody says anything on the way back up, you know? And that's the one thing I noticed. And I, I gained all the weight back plus uh, like another hundred pounds on top, you know, a lot of uh, depression, a lot of personal struggles throughout, you know, the first 10 years of our, our marriage, not really marriage related, just personal. And just, I think a lot of that was around the weight gain and the, uh, the health issues that I started to have because I got over 500 pounds, you know, it just became a struggle to live, you know? Yeah. I remember meeting you and you decided, I mean, I want to, I really want to hear more about um, you coming in and knowing your wife actually separately uh, from you because our little girls um, at the time, my oldest Adrian and your, I think one or both of your two girls were in dancing and I saw that they're still there, but that's a, that's a story we're going to get to. And they were dancing and, and um, well, tell, 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 let's back up tell the story first about like, what was it that decided like, all right, now I'm hitting at 500 pounds. I know that, like you said, personally, my marriage, my professional life, I can barely move. I'm just trying to survive at this point. This, I have these, now these kids, like, what was the turning point for you to say like, all right, I'm going to look into bariatric surgery. Like, let's talk about that first. And then I'll tell you my impression of you and your family. Yeah. And so my brother is a physician assistant. You know, and he always pushed for it. The one thing, there, there's two factors that I think kept me from considering bariatric surgery for a long time. One was this notion that, like, I did it in this program and I, that idea had infiltrated my brain that, like, oh, if you can't do surgery, you've got to change the way, you know, you're thinking. And, and I just, I wasn't thinking about it the right way. You know, I, I, there were a lot of opinions that people had in the recovery program that almost, like, discounted people that had, that had surgery or something. And I had a lot of that toxic thinking still in there. But yeah. the main thing that did it for me is my mother, uh, you know, she, she worked overseas for many years. And so she, she decided to have it years ago, flew to London and to one of like the premier bariatric surgeons at the time. Um, and she does healthcare quality. So she like studied the cases and like looked at, looked up this person, you know, paid out of pocket, had it done saw tremendous success. And it just seemed like within a year and a half, 
she started gaining it all back and gained it all back and got, you know, and I, I just like, I thought that's going to be me, right? That's, those are my genes. That's going to be me. That's my story. That's what's going to happen because that's what's happened every single time I've tried to do something like this. And I'm not going to take the risk of surgery only to arrive back at that, you know, and, that, and that's what was in my brain at the time, you know, um, it wasn't until I really started having significant health issues and I started really just getting so depressed because I could not participate in my daughter's lives. Like I couldn't go anywhere uh, that required any walking. You know, I could, couldn't walk, you know, uh, walking became, you know, almost impossible. Uh, I had, was hospitalized a couple of times because I had recurring cellulitis on my legs, uh, so that that was scary. A couple of high fever incidents where like those could have turned into sepsis or something, you know, like, um, but also I had a, one of the worst cases of sleep apnea that, um, you know, GBMC, the hospital up there in Baltimore had seen at the time. Um, so I just felt like my time was coming, you know, and I had not even 45 years old, you know, and um, ultimately I, I just felt like it was my brother um, and, you know, my wife and my mother-in-law kind of had all given me information. And that's what led me to my first consultation at, uh, at your office up there in Baltimore. So what did you think? Um, so you, you walk into this office and it was in person at that time. Uh, we weren't virtual. It was before COVID. So you come in, you sit in there. How, how was that? Just the whole experience of like, oh, I'm, I'm actually here. I'm doing this. I don't want to do this. Like, how, how, what were you thinking mentally? <laughs> that's, that's a great question. It, it's all, I remember it. I was apprehensive, but I felt like I was in the right direction, you know, because I, I really didn't have any other, I had nothing else. So if like, if somebody's up there talking and it makes sense to me and it sounds like a hopeful message or like there is hope, um, that, that really gave me a lift. Like, okay, you know, let me, let me research this instead of carrying all this baggage that I have about it from the past, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you do the consult, I meet you. And you know, the thing I've, I've seen a lot of patients and the thing that's always striking is like sometimes your personality and your body language and the way you're talking now and how cool and cute you look in your black, black on black outfit. Like you, I mean, it's just like almost impossible. You're so memorable just being there. It's almost like you wanted to like shrink within yourself. Like, um, yeah. You know, it's like you wanted to be invisible, even though you know that you were taking up space. And it's just, I just remember you were so quiet, so reserved. And, and so then I was at dancing, it was on Friday afternoons, I would be sitting there waiting for Adrian to get done. And of course, I knew your mother in law really well, since she worked at GBMC hospital, yeah. and then, um, and then also your wife, and they said, Oh, you're operating on my son in law soon. And I was like, oh, well, who's that? And then she said, you. And I I was stunned. Um, I was stunned by it. And I, I, I realized that, like, you never came and you weren't there. And I was just like, and you could just tell that their hearts were, like, breaking. And I could always, I could feel the emotion, even from your mother-in-law and your wife. And it was just like, I mean, they never, ever, like, really said anything. But you could just see it in their eyes that it was just like, this was a thing that they 
they knew who you were and who you were on the inside. And then, like you said, like she was accepting of you and your, your wife is just a, just a wonderful person. Like from what I can tell, like she's just so yeah. chill and just amazing. And she was, but I could see that like, Oh, I, I, I just, you guys, I, I could see like our family and your family. And I knew that like the weight was really just so hard on all of you, all of you. And it was just really hard to watch, you know? Yeah. And I knew that also that like you had spent a lot of time where you weren't, I think, do you have like a basement or something that you were like sleeping in and you couldn't even really like come up the stairs like some days or there was something that you were like so like occluded from the rest of your family just because you couldn't even physically like get going to come out to see these, you know, this, this beautiful family and, and just how crushing that was. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That was some of the hardest thing that with the health concerns, I think is what really drove me to to bariatric surgery. So I want to tell this story that I remember so much and it, and it makes me like a little bit emotional to remember this. So I I told, I know it's like, this is like very, very hard. This is one of I think it might have been truly like the toughest conversation I've ever had. I I had this moment where first at the initial consult, I said, you know, I don't like to put like, you have to lose this amount of weight. And if you don't lose this arbitrary amount, then I'm not going to ar- ar- operate right. on you. But I right. always am basically like, listen, I'm going to I'm gonna give you my all. Like, it's going to be like physically harder, but I'll meet you halfway. You show me that you're committed by, you know, losing some weight and just doing this. And you came in that day and you had gained something like 30 pounds or something. How much did you gain from your from your time I saw you in the office to that day on the operating um, I, area? I didn't, I don't think I had gained. I just didn't think I lost that much. Okay. But I think it was like, I, I knew I could have lost 50 pounds in that time because I had done it before and I knew exactly the roadmap to do it. And I, I only lost like 13, you know, and from 520 that just, you know, that was like the last week's worth of change for me, like water weight, you know, and yeah. my problem was I could not put down the alcohol. Like I knew, I felt like this timer was counting down to surgery. And, and even though I wasn't drinking every day on the weekends, I, I binged and I could not put that alcohol down for whatever reason. It just kept like, it was like the gateway that was taking me back into those bad food uh, mm. practices, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I never really told you this, but I um I went to the pre-op area and I'm like, listen, like you 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 we were we definitely you were gonna do it and, and it didn't happen and, and you're at 520 and I'm like I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do your surgery like okay. I I don't know if your liver is gonna be shrunk enough like I don't know if technically I can do it and I might have to wake you up and say like I will do whatever it takes but at the end of the day like I'm not gonna put you at harm I'm not gonna do something too risky I'm gonna make you try to lose it and I knew that if I didn't do the surgery, I just felt in my heart that there was no way that you were going to do the walk of shame, pull, go to the recovery room. She couldn't do it. Pull the IV out, go home and then come back. Like now I'm in fighting shape. Like I knew that like, and your wife was sitting there and you were there obviously. And you're in this gown. I can remember what bay you were in. You were like, if you walk in the door, you were in the, the middle one, like right there on the left. Like I remember where you were sitting and where you were looking. And then I told you, like, I don't know if I can do this. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, if you've got to, like, you got to be all in because if I do it, like, you you got to do it. Like, I gave you this, like, the toughest love. It was a place of love, but I was, like, so tough on you. And I'm like, oh, I don't like, I felt like Dr. Nazardin from my 600-pound life. Like, I felt like that, like, 
like <laughs> like forceful with you. And then um, like I walked away and I saw, I don't know why this visual like just really like gets me. Like you were sitting there you're in this chair and you had just were playing on your phone and she was playing on her phone. And I just felt like, oh my gosh, they're like just avoiding this whole thing. And you just, again, I just felt like you just wanted to disappear and just, oh, I just felt like it was just so uncomfortable, such a tough moment. But I think it was a pivotal moment too for who you are right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll never forget that. You know, I've told that story many times. Like, and it's almost like, oh, all right, this is your last chance. That's what I felt right That You you just got the grace of, of a last chance. And it, you know, maybe that was just like a self-fulfilling prophecy or something. And that wouldn't have been my last chance. I don't know, but it felt like my last chance. I know. I was like laying it out there. Like it probably was because I just yeah. couldn't see you returning for it. And yeah. could you have done, you know, do it the the, the normal way, the yeah. diet and exercise way. Again, I don't know. Like how many times do you have that in you too? I, I mean, that I that's. Yeah. I didn't mention yeah. that. So I tried to go back to the program in 2016, you know, when we bought our house that we're in now. And I just could not get that back. I could not go back to where I was in my twenties. Like I, I knew all the ways to cheat. I knew all the ways to, you know, infiltrate yeah. the, and it just what it was not working. You know, I, I was working with a sponsor in the program and they were very understanding and lenient. And he actually was fully supportive of, of the surgery and said, whatever it, it takes to find your, your way, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you had a lot more probably layers in your life too, at that point, you know, in your twenties, yeah. you're kind of, it's you on your own. You can do that. Now it's like, exactly. you've got the wife, you've got the kid, you've got kids, the house, you've got career, the job, you've right. got, yeah, exactly. It's a much different, situation to be in where it's not just about you anymore either it's you you know and and probably looking at setting examples for your kids and what you know what am I teaching them and in my life and all of that too very much so yeah Yeah. so let's let's go from the sad low of this like dark (laughs) moment so let's go into the OR music I know (laughs) let's let's do an upswing now because now we're in the OR and I mean I will tell you your surgery on the inside, you didn't have much like that visceral fat. You really didn't. Um, and I was able to do it. I'm like, I can do this. Like I looked at everything. I looked at the liver. I'm like, all right, let's go. Here we go. So we did the bypass and you woke up. And like, I always say this, like you pick out a good dream and you wake up on a mission and you did, man. Like you were just sort of this, like, oh, I'm kind of like phoning it in. Like you said, like, I'm still like doing alcohol. I'm not really taking this seriously or, or maybe just doing all that I could to all of a sudden you go all in. I felt like, and it's evidence, but like, what was that? You wake up, you got the bypass, you have the knowledge, like, all right. What yeah. was it like then? Like that early recovery to like keeping consistent and all that sort of thing. Oh, it's, at, at that point, I was getting a lot of support from, you know, from the Facebook groups that I had joined, like the bariatric groups. Uh, so it was nice having that resource. Uh, also working with, uh, you know, at the time, I think bariatric nutritionist, you know, that was mm-hmm. critical. Just having the guidance of, you know, you remember like there was a binder and I just, that was like my Bible, that binder that yeah. told me, you know, here's what's safe for week one. Here's what you do for week two. Like I, I have ADHD really bad and, you know, I'm medicated now. I I was diagnosed just a few years ago, but if you give me directions or organization, like I'll thrive. (laughs) 
You know? Awesome. <laughs> you know, and and I, that's what I did. And any questions, I like I I really benefited from having the anytime link to ask questions on Facebook. Made a lot of connections that way. Um, and then it, it you start losing weight right away, and it's just like it was this snowball effect. Like this might actually work, you know. And I, I kept track of every. I like, downloaded an app. And for a while, I just kept track of absolutely everything, hydration, food, and I took it really serious. Um, and then I started to see, you know, the crazy results and I started feeling better. And it just like compounded on itself, you know, the the positive effects of, you know, feeling better and losing weight and, you know, clothes are getting bigger and you're able to share online now, which is a whole new dynamic. I mean, I, I'm sure. I'm from the time when, when, you know, that wasn't a possibility way back in the day. So that, that I thought that was wonderful and met a lot of great people that way. So I think the, the combination of support and guidance from you and your your office there, you know, is probably what really led to that success. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, that's awesome to hear. And, you know, just seeing... I mean, the snowball did happen very quickly and it was like, whoa, gosh, I mean, men, that's another big perk, guys. Like yeah. you, you do lose quickly. We talk about a lot about that. And, and you were just like, every picture was like, man, it was like doing it. And then I saw like, all right, you're coming out, like what's going on out here? And you're coming back out into the world. And there's been a couple of posts that I feel like sure. Everybody sees them like, oh, how nice. You know, you might just keep scrolling, but I'm like zooming in. The one the other day at the dancing recital with the flowers, with you bending down, squatting down with your arm around your daughter. I mean, I literally, I was like tearing up because I'm like, man. I'm tearing up. I don't even have a connection to this dance studio. (laughs) I'm like, he's, he's, there's still the dance studio and there he is. And I just know that you fought like hell to be at that dance studio in that picture because... You never were there. You couldn't be there. You physically couldn't do it. And right. I mean, how are all those, like the NSVs we talk about? I'm like, you were riding a ride on one of the things and you're running and you're at the dance studio, you're living life yeah. and your girls just look so sweet and so happy and you're there now. You're there. there. Like, how is how is that? I mean, just, I, I, can you even describe it? Like, how is that? Oh, it's it's wonderful, you know, and it's it makes the difference of like, you know, you can I can be present for my kids in a way that I couldn't before. You know, and I know that my kids love me and everything, but it's like to be physical with them and to be able to walk with them and go to their, you know, all of their events and be able to participate more. As crazy as it sounds, so when I got up to my highest weight, you know, I was scared to drive alone with the kids because I just really felt like I was on the verge of, you know, I had these episodes where I couldn't catch my breath and it scared me. And I I was, I had a legitimate fear of something happening and my kids being in the car. So like I, Mm -hmm. it put all that extra emphasis on my wife to, to be the one to like make sure that she's driving. And um, so that was just one, one other aspect. I mean, the the non-scale victories are just, there's so many, I I travel for work. I used to have to get um, two seats on the airplane, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, and thank thank God, like Southwest, you could buy two and then you could they would refund the extra after your flight, like a weird policy. So you could go onto the flight and nobody would question, like you could say, I purchased these two. But then afterwards, they understood, like, you're just one person and they would. But being able to get around, I, I've noticed, too, and I know this is more of like, oh, it's it. it 
I want to say like weight makes a difference in like in the workplace or something, but I think it's not that it's the confidence that like that I gained, you know, and I'm the same person and I have the same ideas, but it's like people respond differently because I'm presenting things, you know, confidently instead of being that guy that you said is just, you know, reserved and, you know, very much like afraid to make waves and wants to disappear into the corner there. I'll, you know, I'd, I'm just able to be present for my life in, in a way that I never thought, you know, and that's, that's the, the beauty of it. You know. mm. My kids. Oh, it's so, it's such a beautiful story. And I, and I, I mean, it's just stunning. And, you know, back to music. So you have these pictures of yourself still on stage performing. Those are some of the, um, you know, I, it seems like you don't have a ton of the befores or at least at the highest weight um, in that right. 500 plus range. Um, but you have that one picture of yourself playing guitar on stage. So are you still performing? Are you still like getting and doing all that stuff? Yep. That must be so much more fun too now. Just It's it's ugh. so much more. I, I can stand, you know, the whole time. You know, it used to be at, after standing and playing for, you know, three hours or so, my, my feet were just totally shot, you know, and none of that, you know, I'm not exhausted when I'm leaving. You know, I I don't do the alcohol anymore, just my personal preference, you know, because I, I know that it could lead me to a bad decision. So, Well, I, I think that's great to yeah. make that conscious decision. Yeah. Yeah. When you know that it's, again, like one of your triggers and it's just like, just it's not necessary. Yeah. There's some know? things you can't do in moderation and, 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 and that's just how it is. So yeah. how is it now that you've done so many programs, you've done medications with FenFen, you've done yep. the different um, support groups. Now we're more of a virtual convenient type of a thing. How, when was your, what was the date of your surgery? January 2nd, 2020. Wow. wow. So right before COVID. Okay. Right I didn't realize COVID. that too. Right. So, okay. So, yeah. wow. So January 2nd, 2020. And here we are three and a half, three, you know, three plus years later, how is it to maintain? Because you were at 520 plus and mm -hmm. now you're at 220. You've lost over 300 pounds. Yep. How has it been to wake up and be in that conversion? I say cross the divide between the fun weight loss honeymoon and now going into the maintenance mode. How do you keep that? How do you keep it off? Well, for me, I always stick to the fundamentals. And this is the first time that I feel like I don't, like I'm not really putting a lot of emphasis or effort into maintaining my weight as odd as that sounds keeping track of the the protein like i was regimented for about a year and a half and i used uh, you know an app where i tracked everything and then the app became smart and it remembers like oh you have this for lunch most of the time you know and it would so so i, I was able to see like for the first time when i did that i was able to kind of see the relationship between how I felt and what I ate and, and drank, you know? Mm. And then when I did away with the app, I just started going by feel. Like I know like, Oh, it's 10 AM. I should be at this much protein. I should have had this much water, you know, however I get that, I don't really care. And I don't have to weigh and measure because I, I know what the serving sizes are now. Uh, but I'm, I'm just conscientious of protein. You know, I, I make sure I, I'm meeting protein and hydration goals and the rest just kind of takes care of itself. You know, I, yeah. I, I hate to say that it's like a, a magic bullet or anything, but I just really feel like there was, I had no off button prior to the surgery. And that the surgery was just like this gift of, you do have an off button, you know, and now I, I reached that point. I'm 
you know, my I know my blood work is great. I, I know I'm getting what I need every day. Um, and I've just, it, it's a whole new way of life for me. So. Yeah, you, you finally have like satiation and yeah. satisfaction, I'm sure. Never experienced that. You know. Right. Yeah, it almost brings you to like level playing out ground of people who don't have the genetics that you had or the, the metabolic and the hormonal. You're at a disadvantage. It's just not fair. Like, you know, right. it, it's you're not eating all that much more and just all those things together. It kind of makes it more, it levels the playing ground. Yeah. So what would you say um, to somebody that was... Somebody like you, years ago, struggling, a man, you know, obviously, I'm, I, I mean, here's the thing. It seems almost like an impossibility, but like, what, what can you say about like, this can be you too. Like, can you yeah. um, just say some words of encouragement to, to others? That, something that you would have wanted to hear, perhaps. Yeah. I, looking back, you know, uh, I think what I would have liked to hear is, yeah, you have nothing to lose by forgetting all of the things that people have told you, you know, and, you know, find your own way, make, make up your own mind, do your own research for God's sake. You know, don't let, don't let internet research talk you out of stuff or for God's sakes, don't let comment sections talk you out of stuff, find your own truth, you know, and, and look at these statistics uh, when you, cause I'm, I'm a data person, you know, that's what I do for a living. So when you gave me your outcomes and the data of, you know, uh, the, uh, the ruin Y versus the other for people that were my weight. I just said, well, this is, this is a no brainer. Like I <laughs> statistically, I know I fall right here in the curve and I know I'm, I'm probably going to do well. And I, I wish that it would have seemed that simple back then. It just seemed like such a big hurdle. And I, there was so much fear in letting go. Um, and I thought I would just encourage people to know you have nothing to lose by going to that first consult. And reaching out, if, if you're on the fence, to all of the different bariatric uh, groups that are on you know, social media, people have done this before. You're not alone. You know, all, all, these are all the things that I think would have been helpful to hear back then. Yeah. yeah. And was there ever in the support group, you talked about like, wow, strangers have become my friends of sorts yeah. um, from the support group. And yeah. I know that once we release this podcast... You're probably going to get a, a surge of people DMing you. Like th they don't care what we say. I mean, yeah. we, we have only done this a million times. They care what you say, what you felt, what is it like, what's the true experience. So I'm happy to help. you're happy to answer that. And was there anybody or or any conversation maybe that you direct message somebody privately or had maybe even saw a comment that actually kind of helped to change your thinking? Was there anything like that along the way when you were just considering bariatric surgery or a fresh post op? Yeah, many times during the, uh, at the at the time it was the six month lead up, you know the mm -hmm. new try I think at the time or um, so yeah during that time I was part of the group and I was watching other people's success and I was watching what they were doing and then you see the people who are having success and then I kind of associated oh well that person makes makes a big deal about hydration or that person you know says they prioritize protein like I, you make these mental notes of like. They're having success. What are they doing? You know, but yeah, yeah. I, I DM'd quite a few people during that time and and told them how helpful you know they were and what an inspiration they were and yeah. You know. I love that. I think you should write a book. 
I know. <laughs> I think you should write a book. First of all, he is so creative, too. Yeah. Though he's really well. Are you like an author, too, or something? You have this huge creative streak between the, the arts, the music, musician, the, you know? Musician and, uh, and data lackey during the day here. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh like two, that doesn't fit two sides of your brain get rid of this really data well. lackey yeah. part well, like always, you, you there's so much job. potential in there <laughs> yeah get rid of this day job, day job. Support my music yeah. habit that was the problem yeah well, right i know we have a bad habit of encouraging people to quit their day job so <laughs> yeah we do and i just did so you know whatever but um you know it's funny like i've always looked at you um since you were post-op i don't really even identify you as who you were i think this is who you're now who you always were, like you just said. And I think that's such a, a powerful thought too. And, you know, when I see your stuff, I always am like, you're like too cool or something. I feel like you're so cool. Like I always feel like a little bit like nervous to like text like you and stuff. Girl. Like I do fangirl on you. I really do. How, isn't he so cute? Like I can't even take it. Mm-hmm. I can say on a podcast because it uh-huh. feels like I'm not, I'm just like this fake persona right now. But like <laughs> behind closed doors when I want to like DM you and I'm like, hey, would, would you be would on the you podcast? Be on podcast? And you were like, yes. Boy. I'm like, you're the perfect guy. Your story needs to be told. Yeah. I love it. I, I'm yeah. happy to help. Yeah, I know there's, I know, like I, I have friends who are heavy, and, and we talk a lot. And you know, I, I wish that I'll, I wish that ten or fifteen percent would go up, you know, because I think that mm-hmm. it, it's just a. I wish I had done it sooner. That's really what I what I wish. Yeah, but yeah. I have. I don't have any regrets. You know. Good. That is such a good parting thought. Like, what is your biggest regret? I have none, except for I wish I would have done it sooner and changed my life. But I think that you needed to hit that rock bottom to build True. that as the foundation for the rest of your life. Because yep. I think that your outcome perhaps might've been different if you didn't have the such low lows. I do Very think powerful. that. Yep. Yeah. That moment, those moments, those moments are so pivotal, but Jason, oh my gosh, thank yes. you so much. Um, we're going to have to think of a catchy you. title for this one. Yes. Um, I'll leave it to my creative uh, buds here uh, between <laughs> Hannah and you. The two of you can come up with something. But um, gosh, thank you again for for sharing that. Oh, I know absolutely. that's probably not easy to get yeah. all that out there. Um, thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate yep. you. Yeah. Oh. No, this is great. And uh, anywhere we can, you want people to find you on on Instagram or something like that? You're pretty big, yeah, You're pretty active on there, right? I'm, I'm active, but it's under it's under Fire Walk with Me underscore. Do. Do. I know it's hard. It's D-E-U-X, <laughs> but on, on TikTok or Instagram. Okay. All right. There you go. So keep Huge bariatric community on TikTok. I don't know. I don't know if you knew that, but there's a huge bariatric community on TikTok. I need to get I, over it there. Occasionally crosses my path on there, but with, yeah, we uh, need to. With, with meetups, like where people wow. come from other states and like do meetups and it's really a good support network. So. Wow. Wow. There you go. I need so to check cross that divide. Yeah, right. Instead of TikTok. I gotta get oh. I need more hours, but yeah, yeah, we need more than 24 hours in a day. That's the problem. All right. Well, of course, you can find us on Instagram at Dr. X Dietitian at our website, drxdietitian.com. Um, and thank you, Jason, so much for coming on. This was amazing, and we look forward to hopefully talking to you soon. Likewise. Take care. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.